0: Welcome to the Junkyard Outreach. This is Todd, and thanks for joining me as we go through the scriptures and learn what we can to draw close to Jesus. For more episodes and information, check out junkyardoutreach.com. And now, let's dig in. Salvation. What does that mean? Well, salvation is, in the original language, a common word. It means to be delivered from something. It's not just a religious word, But in the Bible, salvation talks about being delivered from sin, and essentially, in my way of thinking, it's canceling your reservation in hell, where eternal punishment awaits those who reject God. Let's go back to the Garden, the Garden of Eden back there in Genesis. God created the heavens and the earth and all that is in them. Everything he created he called good, and he gave dominion over the entire earth to his most prized creation, and that was Adam. Adam was made in the image of God, unlike the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, all that. Adam was the one creation made in the image of God. He was human, and human beings have a special relationship with God because they are made in his image. We are eternal. Animals are not eternal. We have a spirit that communes and connects with the spirit realm. Animals do not have that. We are creative. We love. We have all these things that are pretty much unique to humans. Adam ruled the world, essentially. That was his job. Tend this. This world belongs to you. You now are the overseer of the planet. And that was the original intent of humanity. And at that point, Adam had a relationship with God. They spoke, they communed, they had that. That was the way it was designed. Adam would rule the world, and God would rule Adam. Well, then Satan drops in and screws the whole thing up, deceives Adam, and essentially says, I will rule over you. And Adam was good with that. He obeyed the word of Satan involving the fruit of of a certain tree that God had put into the garden. And when Adam ate of that tree, as God told him not to, his eyes were opened, and he knew good from evil. And his wife, obviously, was there too. Go back and read the story. Now he knew good from evil. Sin had entered the world. That is the problem with humanity, is that original sin. Sin now rules the world. Satan now is our spiritual overseer of planet Earth. God is still in control, but we will become slaves to whatever or whoever we present ourselves slaves to obey. And even though most people don't realize it, we are slaves to darkness. We like the darkness. We like the intriguing mystery, the the evil, perverted, all that stuff. If we're really honest with ourselves, we like that stuff. And we buy into it, and then we enter into it, and then we own it, and then we become dark. And because we are dark, because we've rejected God, we're no longer qualified to be a part of God's family when we reject Him, because sin is now ruling in the hearts of all humanity. And that's how it is. All you have to do is just think about the thoughts that go through your head, you know, look at your workplace and you see that you know everybody has this basic tendency to be selfish and what we would call sinful. You know, some people that on the outside are very nice, they're very pleasant to be around, but on the inside they still have this problem with sin. We all do. And that came when sin entered the world. In the book of Ephesians, where the Apostle Paul wrote that letter to those believers in that city of Ephesus, it says in chapter 2, verse 1, "...and you were dead in the trespasses and sin in which you once walked." following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. That's the devil. That's that spiritual influence that everybody is under. And the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, that power that the darkness, those evil spirits that fill this material world has on humanity. Verse 3, it says, "...among whom we once lived in the passions of our flesh carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. You know, it means we're all messed up in our relationship with the one who created us, and that's not the way it was supposed to be, but that's the way that it turned out because of that original sin, and if we were Adam, we would have probably done the same thing. So, to overcome this, God, who loves his creation, created a sacrificial system to atone for sin, to cover sin. That involves taking an innocent animal and symbolically transferring your sin on that animal and killing that animal, thus putting to death the sin that was committed so that man could have a relationship with God, approach him with his sins atoned for or covered. And ultimately, God put on flesh and dwelt among us in the person of Jesus. The innocent died for the guilty. Now, Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. He was God in the flesh. And for a moment in time on the cross, there was a separation between Jesus and his father. And that's why he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So he died to deliver us from our slavery to sin. And we're all slaves of sin, meaning that we do things continually that offend God. We walk in the flesh or our own desires, our own humanity, that is now subject to the prince of the power of the air, the spiritual influence of the devil. Everybody is subject to that. They may not know it, but they are. So generally, when you hear the word salvation... In a Christian context, it's referring to Christ dying on the cross, paying the debt for our sin, allowing those who respond to that drawing of the Father, they can enter into a relationship with God through Jesus. The one thing that every other religion in the world lacks is Jesus, and Jesus is the center of Christianity. He is the way, the truth, and the life. It's all about Jesus and that sacrifice and us believing in him. And we believe when the Father draws us because, you know, we just don't have a blind faith and go, okay, I guess I believe. No, that's not what this is about. This is about the Father drawing us. John 6, 44, it says, No man can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. So there is a calling. God just doesn't leave people orphaned. He reaches out to everybody. Looking back on my life, I can count many times when I was a little kid, I felt that presence of God. It freaked me out, but, and I didn't respond to it, but I know that God was reaching out to me. So that choice is set before us, come to Jesus or not. And most choose not to, but some of them at certain points in their life will say yes, and that's what happened to me. I knew God was calling me out of the darkness, but I loved the darkness, and I ultimately came to Christ And he took control, and that darkness subsided. And then when I chose to follow him, and he said, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And I said, okay, I'll try my best. So I did, and I noticed my life began to change. And as I'm reading the scriptures, things were becoming more clear. My eyes were being opened. And the next thing I know, I'm like, this is it. This is really cool. This isn't religion. This is a relationship with Jesus himself. The Holy Spirit's now dwelling in me because the Spirit of God dwells in those who believe. And this whole thing started working. And so I ultimately was baptized for the second time. The first time was out of unbelief, but I was a believer now, and I wanted to get baptized. I wanted to profess my faith, as the scriptures say, so I went in, I got dunked in the river. Later on, some elders prayed for me to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, this is after I believed, after I was baptized, and my life then became empowered by God. In other words, I've got power that God has given me to do the work that he has called me to do. Can't do it on my own. And I tried to do things on my own, but it always failed. But when I received the gift of the Holy Spirit, and if you never had that, you should pray for it right now. If you've believed, if you've been water baptized, then you should pray for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Look at Acts chapter 8 and Acts chapter 19. There's an example of that process. You believe, things change, the Spirit dwells in you, and then you get baptized, and then you pray for the gift of the Holy Spirit, and your life becomes something crazy in Christ. And that's what we want. We want to be crazy in Christ. Not nutty. We want to be soldiers of Christ. We don't want to be people who just sit on the sidelines. So salvation starts with the Father drawing you. Your response to that, yes or no, if it's yes, you believe, You ask God, will you do this? He sends his Spirit who is around you continually, who has been around you, protecting you. You may not realize it. For all of you that have had near-death experiences like me, it's like, whoa, something really weird just happened. Yeah, the Holy Spirit's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And you see that Holy Spirit at work in you. So that Holy Spirit that's been around you now moves in at your invitation. And then you profess your faith by baptism because Jesus said to get baptized. And then you pray for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And your life that was on the launching pad now takes off. So get in the Word. Get on your knees and pray. Ask the Lord to save you, and you will have salvation. And we'll begin a new chapter in your life that will be awesome. Thank you.